Welcome to View from the North Curve, a fairly regular podcast covering all things North Curve Celtic. This podcast aims to get some of the North Curve news across in an easy to digest fashion while exploring fan culture from a bit further afield at the same time. We'll be steering away from the usual 442 who's playing right back type chat that's covered elsewhere. Instead, we'll be focusing on issues off the park. I'm your host Liam and I'm joined by regular guests Kev and Tony. We all good guys? All good mate. Yeah, well, good stuff. We're also going to be joined later on by John Paul Taylor, who's Celtic's supporter liaison offer, officer. Um, so yes, welcome John Paul, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. A bit of a stressful journey back to Edinburgh, but glad to be back. Good stuff, glad you could join us. Um, John Paul, for those who don't know you and what you do, could you give us a kind of brief overview of your role and how long you've been with Celtic for? Yeah, so actually last Wednesday I started, it was my 25th anniversary of starting at the club. I started on the 3rd of October 1993, so that was mostly ticket office stuff, but I've been back doing support liaison since 2013, so that's five years I've been doing it now, where essentially I'm just a... I'm really kind of here for fans if they've got any issues that they want to take up with the club and maybe find that they've got a, you know they've not got an obvious avenue that they can get into the club or any specific issues that they want to raise or they would want me to raise on their behalf. So it's a kind of almost like a portal into the club for for supporters. Um, so try and be as available as I can be either at matches or at Celtic Park every day as well. But just try to represent fans the best way that I can in terms of um, picking up what their concerns might be. So that, that's a, it's a requirement by UEFA, is that correct, for every club to have one? It is now, yeah. It, I mean, th- th- there's no specific um, sort of definition as to what the, the SLO job really looks like. Um, and we're kind of working with other SLOs across Europe to try and get that nailed down a bit. We're going to Copenhagen next week again to talk about actually nailing it down and making it a specific role so that people can have aspirations about going to a football club and want to become the SLO. Most of the time people just happen into the role and then they kind of develop it from there. But I think that we operate it in the way that kind of UEFA seen it to be best operated but if you're going to play in Europe now uh, clubs as part of your licensing agreement you have to have a dedicated SLO Do you see a difference obviously you're saying that you travel to workshops and seminars and stuff but do you see a difference from your role here to maybe some of your European colleagues in terms of the stuff they have to deal with or is it broadly kind of the, much the same issues? I think it's, it's, it's much the same issue with the European clubs I find it quite different um, for like some of the other Scottish clubs I think they do it a wee bit different from how we do it um, they, they all seem to have like kind of different roles where they're not maybe attending matches and things like that the way that obviously I'm, I, I kind of go to every game and I always try and be available for fans and stuff like that and this is you know if, 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 if they're if the need arises then obviously you're picking up issues with police and stuff on the day I don't really see that from other um other SLOs within the, the, the Scottish game but certainly within Europe I think it's, really, it's much more to the fore in terms of the SLOs role they're, you know, they're really at the front in, in terms of representing the fans and you know security issues that type of thing safety well, issues I could think of was when Ajax played here um, yep. a couple of years ago and there was a bit of bother on their end and you noticed the fact that they had multiple yeah, SLOs who yeah, stepped in do. in front of the police yeah. and they seemed to act almost as a kind of they it's do. a bit different here then in terms of ah, yeah, I, I, it is a wee bit different I know Henk from Ajax as well so he's about 7 feet so he's got no problem getting right in and about, <laughs> and about. I think he quite enjoys it actually Aye. but he's a good guy but, um, but it is a wee bit different in that respect as well obviously we've got to be mindful of where our position starts and ends so when it comes to if, if it is like if, if something like if a situation develops into disorder or violence or whatever then we would never really get involved in that because you're into sort of criminal activity then so that's that's kind of beyond your SLO's remit Do you think it's really down to John Paul that the the, uh, the liaison officer the position in Europe that's been going a lot longer than here 
Yeah, so they're kind of they've kind of got their feet under the table. They, they maybe not know the role better, but they're they're used to that kind of stuff happening. So as yourself, you're kind of doing it yourself kind of thing, and it's something's picking up as it's kind of going along. You're seeing situations that you've never really been in before, so you're just kind of taking up for there, especially the away games and. I, I I do Tony. I think that that's a part of it. I think <clears throat> if I'm being totally honest with you, with with in a lot of cases with the European clubs as well, a lot of their SLOs are ex hooligans, mm-hmm. so they're well known amongst the sort of hooligan groups and stuff like that as well, and they've got a high level of respect. So you know, Hank for you know, just I know, talking I know about the, there. The, the Polish boys, yeah, like Krakow and all that. They've, exactly, all the boys, and all the boys from Legia as well. The, 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 you know, he was as well. Um, I think. Um, St Pauli's I think Sven Sven was involved I'm not sure, too sure I don't think it was USP but I think he was definitely involved yeah. in the 70s and 80s with the kind of terrorist kind of culture that they had it yeah Pauli, no definitely I mean. and I, I think that, that that is a factor in a lot of the European clubs but what I would say is that a lot of the clubs are trying to move away from that I, I went to a thing in Moscow in the early part of the year to talk about how we we do the, the SLO stuff um, and we addressed it was all the Russian first division clubs so it was myself and Henk that went and that's what we spoke about is that there's a lot more to the role you know and you need to be there for like all fans as opposed to just being there for like the hooligans because that's where in their football federation's opinion they were getting it wrong because they were only representing the hooligans Um, and you know we were trying to get the point across look there's a wider aspect to it so I think that the way that we operate it is probably the way that UEFA kind of seen it being operated and I think now other European clubs are starting to try and get into that kind of you know, say model that, that, that we operate as well but it's a so that's more moving away from kind of hooliganism and that aspect and more towards kind of overall fan yeah absolutely it's about making the game or making the day an enjoyable day doing as much as you can to promote the fan culture in terms of you know getting the drums and the flags and the colours and everything that we enjoy about football and, and, and everything that we enjoy about going to the match it's about getting all of that and making that or trying your best to get clubs to agree to let that happen within their stadium but equally you know as I say you know with a lot of the European clubs there is a kind of different culture when it comes to the hooligan side of it and uh, they're kind of trying to move away from that and trying to kind of replicate what we're doing which is try to focus on the positives Okay we're going to take a tiny tiny break and then when we're back we're going to ask John Paul some questions about his experiences supporting Celtic What is so special Tommy about this Celtic support what did they mean to Tommy Byrne What's so special about it right here Straight up there, that's what's so special about them. They're there and they're always there, and God bless everyone. John Paul, just to, as Liam said there, just to touch on, you know, speak a little bit about yourself and your experiences of supporting the club. Um, you've you've obviously been fortunate enough to travel away in Europe um, a number of times over the years. Uh, and if you just think we've got some stuff noted down here about that we've been fortunate enough to draw some of the kind of big. Uh, supports and big, you know, uh, mobs across Europe. A lot of late, you, you we look at the likes of Rapid Vienna, Liga Warsaw, Fenerbahce. You know, the last maybe five, yeah. six seasons. But going before that, what's your kind of early memories of travelling away with Celtic? And you know, the early nineties when you looked at fixtures, maybe when we played back in Cologne and Dortmund and in Germany and places like that, when it was kind of first kicking off and the whole sort of ultra scene was first kind of kicking off. It was, it's okay. funny I was I, I was kind of thinking about this earlier Kevin I, I, I went to my first European away game in 1980 to Madrid uh, with my dad and it was, listen that was a great experience but 
it, it was a massive crowd and at that particular time I was only young so I didn't really ex- get to experience it the way that you would when you first start going with your pals yeah. so I was thinking about like some of the memorable ones from before I think one of the ones that stands out um, in 96 we played PSG yeah. and going there for the first time was really a bit of an eye opener because it was the first time that you were you were in a stadium whereby you could see the guys with the megaphones and stuff like that I hadn't really seen that before and the interesting thing with them again was because they had like two, t- two different mobs yeah. that hated each other there's a lot of bothering uh, yeah, and that. Uh, yeah well we had segregation we had segregation in the, in the segregation yeah, um, the for their fans so prior to it Celtic Park, ninety five, I think it was. It was a bull and boys. Yeah, it was bull and boys. Ninety five. Well, we won the cup ninety five, so you'd be right, Tony. It was early ninety or September kind of time. Ninety five. First time you kind of saw them, and you were going. Obviously, I was a wee bit younger, but the the complete difference in something about difference in the norm. Aye, they were segregated. You had the fans at one side, and then there was a wee section of them in the main stand and all but you know I think it was that no, like the, the dignities and different uh, that, stuff that was, that, was the v, the, that was the VIPs but yeah, uh, the fans were just stand beside each other and it was chaos it was mental I, I, I was doing the tickets at the time as well so we'd sold them all the tickets and then oh, I probably can admit it now because it's so far we'd oversold it so we'd ran out of seats <laughs> and we're like we've not got enough and then I had to go back to PSG and say can I get some tickets back off you and they were like no you can't but you're only going to bring X amount and you've you, we, we gave them like loads more tickets than they needed yeah. and the guy says but we need it for segregation and I says no it's alright we'll do the segregation they went no we need to segregate our fans <laughs> and I was like I couldn't work it out but obviously they did segregate their own fans because of the real rivalry between the two but when we went to Paris the first time I, I was just you know watching the guy with the megaphone I probably spent more time watching him yeah. than I did watching the game to be honest with you but it was it was really good to see and I, I always wondered whether or not it would be something that we could do at Celtic because you mm-hmm. think the, the whole culture at that particular time was so different It's you know with Scottish football and Celtic in particular that you just could never imagine that coming to Celtic Park but I mean this big guy was absolutely fantastic you know you just get everybody going with the megaphone getting the songs going kept it going for 90 minutes and it, it was brilliant to see um, but that, that that was a lively one um, and that was one of the ones that kind of planted the seed actually for the start of the Green Brigade is that right? when we first saw that and we, after that you didn't really have much more no. I think we had, you had Hamburg Hamburg came in maybe in 97 but they, they were yeah. a very British style support I can mind them being in the corner and it, there was a fair bit of colour but it was there the, was it was a good bit of pyro for Hamburg as well I was I was obviously here that night and then we had Ajax as well with, with the, again they brought the, they brought the pyro and well, stuff as well and first kind of, kind of time came in and you started drawing teams like Basel was the first one yeah exactly exactly well I mean you're talking about Hamburg as well Hamburg was a good trip and it was funny with their trips because I remember I, I do, we, we do, we done Ajax in the bus and the first time we played them in the qualifier and we beat them That's which was good fun experience no 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 no, 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 it was, no it was funny when we won obviously we won the game which which made it better so the, the, the journey home for that one was quite decent but I remember Hamburg in 96 as well where the football was pretty bad and we mm-hmm. beat 2 nothing and they I just I slept the whole way. I got on the bus straight after the game and I slept I woke up in Dover but that was that was just a funny trip because again it's you're away, you're away on your own kind of thing you're away with your pals and um, just some of the experiences that we had of that one as well I remember everybody was out drinking in the streets because all the pubs and all that were all jam-packed but we were, we were doing it a budget so we were kind of skint and we were going to the supermarket buying bottles of Heineken and then kidding on we were going to the toilet and then just like buying about the bottles of Heineken and I could just remember these people in the pub like that 
buying any drink but they keep getting getting topped up all the time and then I remember one of the, one of the stories I, I was there with my pal and a guy came up to him a Glasgow guy came up to him right out of the blue and he's like alright big man you're the selling and he's like aye the guy just ran up and banjoed him <laughs> knocked him out so he was obviously an infiltrator but um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure aye, you know what they like they get everywhere but he no some, some of the experiences but PSG probably was the first one Kev where I kind of seen that and I think in recent years obviously he touched on Legia as well we were there a couple of years yeah, ago and we're he, actually back at PSG there last year oh so yeah it was, it was good because I tied up with a lot of their kind of younger I, fans for the collective well, as well, well before the I, game and they, they, they were all really good lads that's, that's from that kind of follow when the trouble started happening at, at Paris you know that same eventually after all the years just kind of getting back together yeah I know that they had the band didn't they seven eight different groups all together now that's right no previously previously aye but this season especially they've been travelling absolutely I've seen that seen at Liverpool as well they'd obviously had a big number but they were good can I help the boys get a lot of their stuff in and stuff for the game here and yeah yeah and they were good boys I quite like to quite like dealing with them saying that about that as well John John Paul, I didn't really realise that. So you were talking about other fan liaison officers have got a past history, and either the hooligan side or an older yeah. side. That you had, you actually had an interest, maybe in the mentality, and I can a smaller way. Yeah, yourself. Like, I mean, so, uh, so no, that definitely. Would obviously help because obviously Celtic are probably only obviously them. You've they've got a view on across the city, but Celtic's the main one. And nah, definitely. Just, not I mean, so just as you're saying that JP about you know hoping maybe one day when you were looking at the likes of PSG back then and hoping one day maybe that could be possible at Celtic Park I'd always felt you know when the like the early days of the Green Brigade when they were starting out um, that if it was ever going to succeed anywhere you know Celtic had always been renowned for having you know passionate supporters yeah. and bringing colour you know the you look at like say you'll never walk alone it was renowned throughout Europe yep. and respected by the best groups and the best supports and you look at like Seville and stuff I thought if it was ever going to kick on it would hear it would have a wee chance yeah I, th- I think that you're probably right Kev to be honest with you because we, we were always kind of renowned as being not only just a passionate support as well but we were always good in terms of being creative we were songs and stuff like that as well you did always feel that there was a possibility and obviously we played in Europe a lot as well and yeah. you kind of felt as if you kind of would be able to blend into that type of culture but for me I, I, I was just fascinated by it I, I, I loved it and again when you used to watch European football and you see the Greek football and stuff like that as well I, I just always thought it looked really really good so I kind of always did hope that you know, one day we would see that type of football Italia yeah of course exactly I know that was it on a Sunday exactly exactly and that was kind of kicking in that's when Celtic were dead because we had a wee lean spell in Europe I mean no playing much 80s usually it would be September didn't get it after Christmas very often but as you were kind of the internet was kind of kicking off exactly that was when Exactly. Yeah, people started to get a bit more into it. Yeah. I think football Italia kicked off for everybody, didn't it? I mean, it was what everybody oh, grew aye, up seeing on a Sunday morning. And it was so exotic to aye. Aye. As, as, as you were saying earlier on, back in the nineties and stuff, when teams like Hamburg and stuff were coming here, it must have been a kind of alien. It must have been so different to what we were used to in terms of, you know, one coach load of Dundee fans coming down and exactly. stuff like that. And exactly, you know, we we used to get the likes of Ajax or Hamburg or juicy some of the other. Uh, I'm trying to think of other German clubs that we would have played around about that time, Cologne and Cologne stuff. Cologne. But they came up with big numbers and stuff, oh. and so it was it was good. But the, the the whole thing just just fascinated me in in terms of the overall culture and 
you know the way they dress the clothes yeah. everything about it you know you, you were yeah. just really interested yeah. to see what other fans were doing and what it looked like subculture innit it was exactly at the time exactly immediately the Green Brigade kind of thing mm-hmm. Every, it's all encompassing yeah so people are into their clothes people are into their music and it's exactly. just kind of all just all rolls in exactly man, kind of thing because when you're saying about the is there any kind of stories you can mind people you're saying that you went with your dad yeah different stuff like that Ru, I can remember growing up and like my dad and my uncle and all that were saying is they were in Chirin and we played Juventus early early 80s mm-hmm. yes and they were saying and that they, they got two kind of these yellow buses aye and the UV fans were just pelting them with blocks of ice. Wasn't a window left in any bus? Yeah, that was it. So, when I was kind of growing up, you were, you were going to, when are we going to get these? Uh, Euro games, when are we going to get, when can I go to Europe? When can I go to Europe? And it wasn't until, I don't know if it was because of all these stories that my family was going to say, my mum was like, ah, these chances are going, it wasn't until you were like 12, 13, you were going to get into No, you were a bit older. No, listen, I was 15 before I'd done my first European away game, but in the days, like, you didn't have, like, air travel and that wasn't as easy, so it was, it was, it was quite unusual in 1980, you know, to say you're going to sell it away in, in Europe, you know, so at school and the European, ah, no way, you've got to sell it away game in Europe, but um, we were quite lucky, but I didn't go again for, for quite a wee while. Um, the, that Juventus game that you're talking about wasn't that long after that, I don't think, to be honest with you, but it was it was only a couple of years, because I was wanting to go, Big Francie was running a bus and I was wanting to go in the bus and he's like, ah, you're not going there, you'll get stabbed. Because, um, uh, what was that, we had we had Forest in 83 we were not yes. Forest in 83 nah, that was mad there was a big circus support oh, in there that was massive Burnley, Burnley, and Burnley was early, early 70s Burnley was 78 I was meant to be going to Burnley my cousin was meant to be taking me and he right at the last minute my dad was like ah, I'm not sure um Nah, I'm not having it. You're going to need a day off school and all that, and then you'll be off the mora. You just no bother. So I was in a right bad mood. There was absolute carnage at Burnley. I still hated them Burnley because of it. My uh, my old man took my mum on one of their first dates to that. Is that it? Well, that would have went down well. I said I had to leave after 60 minutes because there was fence posts oh, getting locked. That's right, yeah. It was like Spears. My dad was in amongst it probably. It was Time like to go. Spears and stuff like that. So, I mean, some of them, some of them were obviously a bit, a bit mental, but as I say just you know looking across the European ones as well over the last couple of years Kev you spoke about like say Legia and stuff I mean some of the some of the things we've seen in recent years have been amazing Legia for all that we've obviously got our own rivalries and I don't want to be going back there anytime soon they they were impressive on the night I'm not sure about that you know backing backing the team they were just unbelievable just a big white army as well because everybody wore a white shirt that night as well and behind the goal it was just I mean, it was just constant, but Malmo as well. Malmo, oh, Malmo were, were fantastic. How did you find qualifier. Rapid? How did you find Rapid? Well, uh, uh, ra- I didn't go to Rapid, Kev. Right. I didn't go. Um, I, I missed Vienna, so I, I, I didn't experience them. I'm trying to think of other European Did we not play them in the Olympic Stadium anyway? We did, yes, because they were still moving forward, didn't they? I remember the three-each game we played under Mowbray was in the main stadium. I'm sure the other one was in the Olympic. I remember them when they came here under Mowbray and they had... They organised the display within about ten minutes. Oh, they, I mean, they, they, at Celtic Park, aye, they just they, handed out white and green cards. Aye, I mean, and they, suddenly they had a full display out of nothing, and it was just really impressive aye, to that, watch. That them. was kind of when I mean, we we kind of tried to play up to the whole rivalry for back in the back, you know, when we played them at Old Trafford and stuff like yeah, all this course, stuff. Yeah, we had the banners out before the game, and they they just done us with some. We we there was we thought we were you know the best thing ever doing these banners, and we were. Turn them apart and stuff like that, and we were, you know, 
they done something with a bottle. They had a blow up bottle and a simple paper. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And they just left us all kind of looking over at their end, like. Nah, they, listen, they, they, they were imp- they were quite impressive, but I, I, I never went to I never went to the away game for some reason. But when I think back as well, just when, you, when you're talking about like how how kind of smart they were, I done some stuff earlier this year in Bulgaria for the Bulgarian Cup final, mm-hmm. and it was Levski Sofia, and honestly, they they were. Really, really impressive. Yeah, they 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 done probably about five full tifos during the game. I mean, how quickly they done these, and it was from like tributes to past players to uh, the history of the club to tributes to fans. They 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 done a full card display. They massive banners that covered the whole end, and it was just as quickly as one was down, another one went up, and it was it, it was massively impressive and. The interesting thing for that was that they have not won. I think they won a trophy for five years, and they were playing, they were playing Spartak Sofia, which was like kind of us playing maybe like Queens Park. Right. So they did the whole stadium, and they got beat one 0 <laughs> So you can imagine what it was like, honestly, like forty odd thousand. Yeah. Um, but the amazing thing was at the end, like the, the players went right in to like the ultra section and apologize. you apologise and took their jerseys off, gave them. Mm-hmm. But the fans all stayed, yeah. which was amazing as well. I thought it was unbelievable because. You know, you could just imagine five years have built themselves up for it, and he. Was well, losing against Airdrie in '95. Yeah, listen exactly. Well, yeah, Wraith Rovers, but he. But I think nope. if the players would have went in that day, they'd have got lynched. Never mind. It's <laughs> 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 culture, but he, but no, it was amazing to see it. Honestly, it really wasn't. It was my first experience really of Bulgaria and watching like football um, in so much detail in Bulgaria and just how passionate their fans are. I mean, like, the infrastructure within the game over there is, is, is gone. It needs massive investment. The stadiums are really poor. Facilities are awful. But fans still turn out and back their teams and they're massively passionate about them. Um, and it was it was really, really impressive how you know how much the, the, like the clubs were part of the real you know the whole community. Mm-hmm. It was it was it was it was really good to see. It was a, and it kind of reminded me a bit like the Croatian thing as well, where it was just like the, the you know their club is everything to them. Mm-hmm. It was it was really really impressive. I, I was impressed by them. Um, St Petersburg, I would like to have seen a bit more of, simply because you know you, you hear so much about like, the Russian fans and stuff like that as well whether it's good or bad but obviously there was a bit of a ban when we went over as yep. well so we've probably never seen them to their full effect mm-hmm. as well um, I think the fact that Putin had put it got nah, up well, for the World, World Cup or probably the World Cup then yeah, and I think we. Yeah, it wasn't worth a while, was it? No, well, we um, we kind of got the we kind of got the word because when we first went over there as well, we talk about it, and you're naturally kind of apprehensive about sending fans over because you ultimately you know people's it's, safety's it's, poor. Especially after the Euros in 2016. Yeah, exactly. So much. Did other stuff over there? Fan liaison officer say to you, listen, we've got X mob, Y mob, 50, 60 handy. They're maybe looking. They'll probably try to pick off your stragglers. They'll probably attack your guys. End is that kind of discussed in pre-match briefings, or is it just kind of left? No, no you, you, you you would cover it off. To be fair, I mean, a lot of the times you kind of you would suss it out based on like your SLO and who you're dealing with. So it's like you, you can tell you know yourself. Like you can tell when when like somebody's maybe just I'm filling in and doing the job and they really work in the marketing department, or if they are like proper like SLO, XO or whatever or something so you can maybe have the chat and say look I know what we had a meeting in there but yeah. what's really going to happen and sometimes the guys will say like the big the big guy Phil Egger was, he was good I liked him um, I don't think he's there anymore now because um, he got caught sneaking the pyro in but <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but he, he was decent <laughs> nah, I don't know about that <laughs> I don't take a bag um, <laughs> 
But no, he, he but he was good, and he he would be honest with you as well. You know, he 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 would say, listen, you know, this is likely to happen, that's likely to happen, you know, and, and tell people to like either stay away for here or stay away for there kind of thing and I think ultimately it's incumbent of us to try and pass that info on some people want to take the info some people don't that's entirely up to them but I always feel as long as I've passed it on then I can say well look you know I did say if you, know, if, if you want to go and get mixed up on it it's up to yourself I have got a lot more savvy especially since after the Ajax yeah. game store, I think the Celtic fans <clears throat> are very savvy but as you saw like them in Europe there they've yeah. lost more banners than they've had to. Yeah, it's like yeah. three four bars and a lot of Europe, a lot of teams in England, not that Burnley, went yeah, to yeah. lost yeah. Seen it with England and stuff like that as well. A few in Naples mm. as well. Celtic's, Maybe a bit of arrogance and that. Yeah, up support now, I, think. I think so. I think so, and you can see that like in terms of our, our, our European support as well. I think the boys are all kind of tuned into it because you tend to find that certainly for the early rounds and stuff. Anyway, it's mostly the same people that go, so they are kind of tuned into the, the culture and keeping their banners uh, well away. I know, I know that it, it did that happen. Leg, I didn't it? I think so. Yeah, that one turned up as well on the day. Guess what? One got stolen in Amsterdam. Let's <laughs> 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 down there. Come on, Tony. That's poor. We're going to take a, a quick short break here and then we'll be back with a couple more questions. Throughout European football, as the jungle sees its last stand tonight, as Celtic fans blow away the blues of Rangers' treble clinching cup final win on Saturday. The bulldozers move in tomorrow to demolish the standing area and building work will get underway to make it all seated for the new season. There are countless special memories for the fans of this famous old terracing. None more vivid than on an evening 26 years ago when Celtic returned from Lisbon, the first British side to win the coveted European Cup. So JP, uh, just to kind of touch back on, you know, the, the North Curve Celtic stuff just now, we, we've started up this initiative um, a couple of years ago and we've been using the phrase the spirit of the jungle for the the opening display that we've done and you've seen the design on the scarves and stuff like that we've, we've, we've had and we've, we've dished out to all the, the members. What's your experiences of the jungle? What's your memories of you being back then when you were a... Yeah, a, a few fond memories of the jungle, Kev. Um, my first kind of real memories of it was my mum worked in the pie stalls in the, in the jungle, so... For anybody that went, I know it was in your pies and it wasn't always meat, but um, it was quite funny because we used to always get, kind of go along, but she always had to be up the road to make my dad's dinner, so we had to leave 15 minutes before the end. Right. So it was a, it was always a bit of a kind of, I would be young and it would be a risky game to play because I remember there was like games, maybe like really close games, not in each and stuff, so I was only about like six or seven, maybe that, that young, and you're thinking, I'm going to hide so she can't find me but then you think if she's not the rose for my dad's dinner man I'm going to get her down because it'll all end up on me but um, so that, that, that was my kind of first experiences of the jungle just kind of running about as a wee boy um, and then getting whisked away early before before the game finished but as I got older obviously <clears throat> you start going to games with your pals and we used to get the bus <laughs> from Millerston down to Alexandra Park and then walk it down through the park gates right down Millerston right. Street past Coyers the old Scotia Bar mm. and down past the old Terry's Tattoos and stuff like that in the old scrapyard so it was good memories um, but the thing for us we always wanted to be in first so we used to be down for the for the gates opening at half one and there used to be like the big white kind of exits you'll have seen the pictures and stuff so you always wanted to try and get into the middle one under the TV gantry so that was a, it kind of gave you something to cling on to so if it was going to be a big game you knew that it's, as it could close, get closer to kick off it was going to get packed but you had your wee bit that you were clinging on to and that was it so that was always the aim for us to be first in so that we could just be there to like the kind of boys from Alston and stuff a bit and, lies, uh, you know? aye, well <laughs> probably aye 
so <clears throat> that was that, that was that was a kind of big thing for us and but it was never going to last because you always knew that as it got closer to kick-off you were always going to get shoved out so you really had to kind of try and stand your ground so we would always do that and then of course if Celtic scored I mean you could just end up anywhere yeah. honestly you, you could you could pop up at any point in, in, in the jungle to be fair but we, we used to always measure it um, without kind of talking about specific games we used to always measure it. if somebody missed a game or whatever the first thing you would always say was what was the walk on like because the walk on before games was always the big thing right. so the team coming out they always play never walk alone and you would always look at the jungle and if it was a whole jungle for the Celtic end of the Rangers end was just full of scars you knew it was going to be a big game you knew it was going to be a big game if it wasn't it wasn't going to be so good but games against Aberdeen Hearts Hibs obviously the derby games and stuff like that as well when it was a full walk on you knew you were in for it that day and I can remember a few like I remember there was a game against Aberdeen and Aberdeen were right at the like, top team and we we were one nothing down then we equalised and then we went in front and there was a boy faker down Michael Baker was with us and we were all together and then Celtic scored and I don't know Michael Baker disappeared for about 15-20 <laughs> minutes and then he just re-emerged it was like as if he time travelled because he came back he's like I don't know where I've been or what I've done man <laughs> but, um, it, but that was the jungle do you know what I mean just mm. anything could have happened and I think what's happening in, in terms of the like the the real seats area and stuff like that and now in the, in the corner I think like the boys have done really really well to recapture the spirit of the jungle I think what we're seeing now is as close as, as, a, as, I've, as I've probably seen to that in years because obviously football become very sterilised in, in terms of the all-seated stadia and you know just a bit less push up the back of your leg well a wee bit less push up the back of your leg and there's obviously it depends you need where you stand to <laughs> fair, that's uh, well true. that's very true that's very true and uh, well in the days obviously like um, taking in booze and all that was allowed so that was a wee bit different as well but overall um, I think they've recaptured it really really well to be honest with you and you know a lot of clubs and stuff all get split up when we you know we've done the all-seated stadium and we lost the atmosphere and I yep. think you know that was the essence of maybe the group getting getting together in the first place really was to try and recreate that um, so over the course of the years you know credit to, 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 to you guys in terms of forcing the the standing section and, and making it happen and credit to the club obviously for you know for seeing that you're having the foresight to see that that was probably needed to come back into Celtic Party get the atmosphere going again but I think in terms of what you've done it's, it's been great and but like the old days the old days of the jungle it's, it, it was it was really really special. fun ah, it Can was it, it was special about kind of replicating <coughs> it to an extent we've got the wee bit don't you if you're looking at the pitch to your right hand side and it's where a lot of the boys' kids yeah. can I stand and it wasn't something that we're planning on doing early doors but there's that many as we we in well we're not <laughs> going to stop taking my kids to the games even if they're not going to stand with them yeah. so put them all down at risk but, and that was kind of the stories as I was getting papped down the front and kind of going off it was near the Celtic end but you were on the, the kind of white wall Aye. Kind of watching, well that was it kind of Aye, exactly it that's exactly what it was your yeah. dad and your uncles no that was nowhere near no. you it was just partly ranged in the front and that was it and that's kind of we're kind of doing it without saying like a terrible <laughs> pet <laughs> the kids all the kids yes, are all like but, but it's, it's just, as they're growing up they're, they're, these wee guys they've, they've all been beside each other for three four seats mm-hmm. for two three seasons yeah. now and then and but they will they'll build up that whole camaraderie as well now exactly it's exactly and it's the same, what you it's want. The same kind of stuff as us when I went you went with your cousins Aye. and different stuff like that and you, you just grew up and, you, and when we moved to Park Eden in 95 it was the same people or in a yeah. so you got to know everybody in your block, and I can see that's the kind of way the section's gone. Now even boys, it's no part of your group. You're kind of recognise them. You're going, how yeah. you doing? How you yeah. doing? But and it's there's 
I think there really is. It's a camaraderie, but it's there is, within that area and stuff. And it's that, really, that is really the thing. I mean, I still football. see boys at games now that he, I remember for the 70s and 80s. Um, you still see them home, away, Europe, or whatever. And they've obviously. That, the, you know the whole thing's just kind of developed and that's you know what you're trying to kind of do there which I think is it's really really good but I think you'll find that that is that's is what's going to happen the, the, the boys will build up their own wee sort of group if you like and mm. they'll, they'll come through mm-hmm. the, the years together but you're spot on in terms of like the old Selic end and stuff that was that you just get fired right down the front onto the white wall mm-hmm. and he, he looked about to see if you could see your dad anywhere I, and you I, never I, could I came in one of the things that I think Celtic played Everton. It was a pre-season game. I don't know if two it was each. Aye, it was it about ninety ninety two or something? I was at the game. Aye. And so that way in Glasgow, that your dad's best pal was your uncle. Aye, you grown up. No, aye, it's not the day. So I got posts. <laughs> and the fucking there was the coppers next day. And the like, who you be? I'm like, my uncles, or it's maybe my cousin, or it's maybe just my dad's pals. <laughs> and my cousin's a guy I know. Because he says he looked in the pitch. They just saw me. Getting walked around the pitch with the coppers. No way. And I was like, ah, it's just set the agenda for me for the rest of my life. <laughs> 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 Did you have your arms up your back though? <laughs> no, well, that was probably one of the only things I didn't jump up, but I definitely, but as you say, it's, 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 it's the kind of things you remember. It was that, that was what it was. You, you went down the front, you watched the game, and then you found you found them. Obviously, now you're, you're kind of part of the kids now, it's at different times now, but kind of thing is, you're trying to get a still have the same kind of essence that's the it's thing it's, 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 it's important to keep that going aye, self, definitely because you know, you're looking down at them and the kids are not allowed to swear but they're all they were doing at the football you can see them getting the finger at the ref and the players taking <laughs> the corners and kind of going just let them so you're right about it I think it's a right passage really isn't it but I remember with the when it used to used to be right down the front as well and a lot of the young kids would have crash helmets on and you'd be like Get crash helmets on for, but it was for the bottles, it's not that getting fired to the back. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, we'll know of any of that. No, well, we'll, we'll round it off there. As I <laughs> sounds like a nice way to finish it. John Paul, thanks very much for your time. Really Pleasure, guys. It. Really enjoyed it. Anybody's wanting to get in touch with you, is there, a, is there the best way to go about it? Is it social media? Is it just sending a letter? Social it? media, you get me on Twitter at the at Celtic FC SLO Twitter, or you can get me an email at jptaylor at celticfc.co.uk. Perfect. Thank you very much for your time. Pleasure, your stories. Appreciate it. Thank Kev, you. Tony, uh, thank you as well. Is there anything we're, anything we're wanting to pass on to anybody that's listening? I was going to say about if this does get recorded and put out prior to Saturday, then we've got the... Probably Saturday the... Saturday the 14th of October we're holding the first... 2018, in case you're listening to us in a few years time. <laughs> <laughs> we're holding the first, the first sort of general meeting of the all the North Curve, all the troops that are in the North Curve. Um, so, so if you've not got any it, emails yet, uh, get in touch with the North Curve Twitter yeah. or the email that we've got, which is northcurvecelltic at gmail.com, I think. Yeah. <laughs> we'll really confirm that. Uh, you, can, you can Google it. But, uh, just Curve. on the podcast as well, we're hoping to make this a sort of regular, a wee regular thing. Um, we're glad that John Paul could come along for the first one. Um, and hopefully we, we can get some been some ideas bandied about about maybe having some players or there's yeah. lots of people online who it's complete but sponges and knowledge of Celtic history it'd be great to have them on talking and different stuff like that but just more, to, fan you know, more to keep it because we know that there's a you know there's a lot of Celtic fan podcasts out there just now you could probably say a good half a dozen maybe ten that are 
just solely about the football and stuff like that on the park and, and that's good some of them are cracking but we're, we're trying to keep this one a wee bit unique to us and unique to what we're all about and you know going forward with previous people's stories exactly. and that kind of stuff I think there's loads, of, there's loads of fans that you know that would welcome that as well though because as much as the football obviously the football is the focal point and that's what we're all here for but there is a whole subculture around yeah, it as you yeah. spoke about Tony and I think there are so many people that are, that are into so, that that probably want to find a route in mm-hmm. some of these Celtic books that you've got now, the kind of newer ones they speak about the is it Sharabanks they used to call it the people yeah yeah well, aye, aye, absolutely and the break clubs and stuff like that as well yeah like going to Morton in 1920 yeah. and Morton fans attacked name and stealing banners and it was like when I first read it I was kind of going this kind of culture was well prior to the oh god aye in the 70s Celtic fans were getting attacked down in Morton and people were stealing flags and different stuff like that so they, they kind of the more they were reading into it, it was, wasn't it a new phenomenon you know what I mean no, definitely. so be, that's the kind of thing we're kind of aiming for for these podcasts just something completely different definitely and I, I, I do think that there, there will be a, a good audience for it to be honest with you I'll be an avid listener anyway good well at least we've got one <laughs> <laughs> right well until next time thanks very much